Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is our Education and Events Coordinator, Catherine. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Well, uh, you had an interesting post this week. You know, uh, obviously election season is, uh, well, it's definitely still here. It's on. still <laughs> Not <laughs> over <laughs> yet. <laughs> Just a few more days. Um, and uh, Tuesday, November 6th, is the general election. And uh, we've done a lot to highlight the candidates' records on pro-life issues. Mm -hmm. And I uh, wanted to focus in on just one candidate today um, because she really hasn't talked a lot about abortion. Yeah. And so I think the title of your the title of the post was Shh. <laughs> yeah, well, it was just, I know I was highlighting how really she doesn't talk about abortion. I, I Gretchen didn't, Whitmer. Yeah, Gretchen Whitmer. She won't talk about abortion and we won't mention her name. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so I, I included a quote that basically was her explaining how she she said she's going to fight like hell to bring abortion, um, abortion rights to their fullest, but she doesn't actually say the word abortion. So It's so frustrating. Uh, you know, we, the media doesn't really like to talk about abortion and it does not help when you have one side of the aisle that is so supportive of abortion, as you pointed out, but just refuses to say the word. Right. And I think deep down, the reason, well, the reason they do that is they know it's, it's not a winning issue. Um, you know, even talking about abortion turns people off. Yeah, and I mean, they use... Which begs the question, why yeah. are people listening to this podcast? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, they use all these words to, like, hide it, um, like women's rights, reproductive rights. But what I also kind of talked about is that she's not only just using these cover-up words, she's just not even talking about it at all. Which is really weird. You know, we thought she made a name for herself kind of politically for... Uh, we had our legislation uh, to make sure that health insurance didn't automatically include abortion coverage because of our law. Uh, now, if you want your health insurance to cover abortion, um, then you need to get an optional rider, which uh, makes sense because really most, um, you know, uh, abortions don't even, you know, they cost less than the deductible. Mm -hmm. And, as, you know, we've detailed this before. Um, you know, Whitmer's claims on the, the legislation were all wrong, but she made that big stand, kind of like Wendy Davis did in uh, Texas, standing up for late-term abortion. And that's kind of how she made a name for herself in progressive circles. Mm -hmm. And I, th I thought that she was going to make that a major centerpiece of her campaign. I mean, they did talk about it a lot in the primary, but when we got to the general election... It's really, like it's she, been nothing. shields up. We're not going to talk about abortion at all. We're just going to say fix the damn roads over and over and over and over. Um, yeah. Which not a bad issue to to talk right. about in Michigan, but um, it's funny in the primary she talked about, and this is a big important point, and why abortion should be a big issue is now that we have Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court, there is a chance if we can get, you know, if all five of them can get on the same page, that Roe versus Wade might be overturned, and that might be in the near future. It could mm -hmm. be even this next Supreme Court term. 
And if that happens, what happens is abortion comes back to the states. And then Michigan voters and elected officials are once again back in the driver's seat. And because of some unique circumstances in Michigan, there's an opportunity for our pro-life law to go back into effect. The, you know, our pro-life law is uh, it's 100% pro-life, and the people voted on it just a few months before Roe versus Wade was decided. Michigan voters decisively mm -hmm. elected to keep our ban on abortion, and um, that's where it stands. And depending on who's elected on November 6th, those people will be charged with whether or not that law gets upheld, whether they'll defend it, whether they'll enforce it if we get in a situation where Roe versus Wade is overturned. And so if you support abortion, if you oppose abortion, like we do, that's a big issue. But Whitmer, nothing. Right. I mean, that's why we thought, like, you know, she's really going to make this a big point in her campaign. And But no, she's not really talking about it. We even came up with a nice gimmick called Whitmer Translate that <laughs> that uh, is kind of uh, spoofing Google Translate how she doesn't want to talk about the word abortion. Um, so, so what's your favorite euphemism for abortion? Oh, favorite or <laughs> favorites, uh, you know. Well, you, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Uh, I don't know. Reproductive rights. I mean, that's probably the most popular one. Like Reproductive rights. I, I like the reproductive health care because, yeah. uh, well, I don't like it, but, you know, Planned Parenthood tries so hard to depict themselves as this kind of almost hospital-like right. women's clinic when, I mean, most of what they do is no different than your local county health department. And, you know, abortion is not health care. They want insurance to cover it, but it doesn't, I mean, you know... Every, you know, the purpose of health care is to care right. for patients' health, which you define as uh, improving their condition, mm -hmm. curing a disease, alleviating mm -hmm. their symptoms. But abortion is the only procedure considered health care where the, the goal is to kill the patient, right. one of the patients, <laughs> right. or two of the patients. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we talk, you know, people, uh, you know, people have twins and they, twins get aborted sometimes. Yeah. Or even, you know, the women, they, I mean, a lot of the abortions that have been botched, like in the Gosnell case, they can be victims there too. Absolutely. You know, Planned Parenthood has still never uh, been held responsible for the death of that woman, uh, Cree Irwin, from the Kalamazoo, at their Kalamazoo mm. facility from a few years ago. Um, and so, and that's another, that's a whole other layer to this issue of abortion is uh, if Gretchen Whitmer, if Dana Nessel is our attorney general, uh, you know, they're responsible for making sure that the basic health and safety standards of abortion facilities are upheld. Right. Um, there was a story we just posted on our Facebook page today, the, the, the flagship Planned Parenthood clinic, their Margaret Sanger clinic. That'll be a great uh, segue for a minute. <laughs> uh, their Margaret Sanger Clinic in New York has had a rash of patient emergencies lately, and the hallways aren't wide enough to get a patient on a gurney out. Yeah. Like, if you hold yourself out as a healthcare facility, how come you don't have a, a hallway even... or a doorway wide enough to, for a paramedic to access a patient? Like, simple common sense. I don't know. And it, Yeah, they're a healthcare <laughs> facility, but they can't actually provide any emergency medical help. To, yeah. a, to a woman at all. If something yeah. goes wrong, it's immediately called the paramedics. Um, 
And you know, sometimes abortion clinics make the ambulances come in so without their sirens. Oh. Or they ask them to do that so patients aren't like disturbed. Yeah. Yeah. So frustrating. Well, speaking of (laughs) Margaret Sanger, that great, uh, the founder of Planned Parenthood, that great fan of eugenics. Yes. There was a very interesting article uh, in the Atlantic. Was it the Atlantic? No, I don't think it was. <laughs> so I'd like to say it just suddenly occurred to me, but to the, <laughs> thanks to the beautiful wonders of technology and editing, uh, I just looked it up, and it wasn't the Atlantic. It was the MIT Technology Review. Um, so this article uh, on sociogenomics was really about, basically, sociogenomics is a new term for what is basically eugenics. Right. Um, just to give a little definition of sociogenomics, um, it's the study of how your genetics, and or even how the environment impacts your genetics, and then how that impacts your behavior in, in all forms. And um, the article was very negative about it, and yeah. justifiably so. Yeah, I mean, basically what they were using data with your DNA to basically predict all these random things about like your preferences and tastes and how smart you would be and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, the idea that you can have a genetics report card that can follow you around for all of your uh, applications to educational institutions, all of your jobs. Which is just um, scary, I mean. And you can go beyond that. Um, you know, if you've seen the movie Gattaca, what about a significant other or someone yeah. you're dating getting your genetic report card and your genetic report card says you might develop schizophrenia in your 40s. Like, yeah. Um, and then it gets back to the whole, uh, you know, nature versus nurture debate, which is interesting. A little bit outside of our topics, but eugenics is really firmly inside Mm -hmm. the realm of pro-life issues because you know the core of eugenics is the idea that we can build a better human being Um, whether it's through past obsessions have been through breeding through genetic engineering through social controls and then this is sort of um it is scary how if you know if you if this genetic report card follows you around then we almost literally end up in a situation like Gattaca where those with the superior genetics become the new privileged elite class and Mm -hmm. then those with quote-unquote bad genetics get relegated to pariahs of society. Yeah, and then, I mean, talk about targeted abortions, you know, at that point, like, right, right now we're targeting abortions already with just simple disabilities and I mean that could be just taken even further to a a scary extreme. Well when you when you combine it with IVF there's already a level of that um, genetic screening where you're almost picking the better or the more healthy individual and then yeah I mean so everyone's it's kind of a big thing this whole have you done the whole uh 23andMe or other services where you can sort of track your ancestry. Oh, yeah. Do you know anyone that's done it? I I have a little bit. Not that much. Okay. Um, It's kind of interesting, but, I mean, a little concerning. People are turning over all this genetic information in these companies. Um, But, I mean, it it could have a huge impact. Um, And, obviously, the beginning of life is a concern with Mm -hmm. uh, abortion, 
But at the end of life is a concern too. If you are a patient who's really sick and your genetic report card doesn't yeah. look good and there's a high probability that maybe you will have some other chronic health condition or whatnot, well, how's the health yeah. insurance company going to treat you? Yeah. How are the doctors going to treat you when we see you know, older and sicker patients already being mistreated in our hospitals in really shameful ways? I know. I mean, there's there's no telling like what in this could come to. I was kind of surprised, you know, I sometimes I read MIT Technology Review. There's a couple of interesting articles about uh, biotechnology and bioethics that deal with our issues. But I'm surprised that they actually came out and said the sociogenomics thing is basically a front for, or will be, they didn't really say it was a front. They just said it, the eugenics implications are, right. are very big there. Um, you know, and... The problem is, you know, we posted it on our Facebook page. It didn't get a lot of attention, you know. It's not really yeah. not the best social media <laughs> material. You know, you click and you read, uh, you know, spend 20 minutes reading this article about something that's kind of even hard to pronounce, sociogenomics. Um, <laughs> but it, it's something that doesn't get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, when's the last time at a party or you've heard someone Never. have a conversation about, I'm worried about where the field of genetics is yeah. going. Yeah, I mean, it's rare. Not a common topic, but it's important for sure. And it's it's going to be a growing topic. Um, so I hopefully people will start to pay a little more attention to it. Um, you know, the, the problem with eugenics is you can't build a better human being. Right. It invariably ends in abuses, whether that's uh, targeted abortions, uh, mistreatment of the sick and elderly. Um, we look at our own past, forced sterilizations, you know, uh, Buck versus Bell, mm-hmm. Supreme Court case that upheld forced sterilizations, right. has never been overturned. Wow. Thankfully, it hasn't had to been revisited because everyone kind of recognized. Uh, no thanks to Nazi Germany, like, oh, this is yeah. a really bad road to travel down. But right. you, we're, Looking see that road in. in front of us again. Yeah. And some people are just tempted to go walk down it again. Um, and the problem with eugenics is it does not treat human beings as having dignity simply for what they are. It treats human beings based on what they can do or what their capabilities are. Right. And probably the the most troublesome idea out of it is that if you aren't, if you don't have a perfect life, it's a life not worth living. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's sad. Is your life perfect, Catherine? No. My life's no. not perfect. <laughs> who has a perfect life? Are you happy to be alive? <laughs> yes. I'm happy to be alive. So this is, yeah. Uh, who does? Really? Yeah. You know, it was it's interesting. Someone was talking about disability once. I forget who it was, but made the point that, I mean, we're all disabled. I mean, you and right. I both wear glasses. Yeah. We don't have perfect vision. Uh, some people, they have chronic health conditions. Like, there's not one person who you could say is perfectly healthy exactly i mean even you look at paragons of health say um you know bodybuilders or pro athletes and they have a list of chronic injuries and concerns and ailments that you would not believe um and so all of us are disabled in some form yet somehow Mm -hmm. we still find ways to take a group of people and say their life isn't worth living yep 
this goes right back to our abortion issue. I was talking with someone today who was um, saying that, well, she kind of used to be pro-life, but then she wasn't because she had a kid and realized how hard it was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, being a parent can be hard. It's, yeah. you know, uh, there's no perfect life. And just because you don't have a perfect life doesn't mean that that gives us license to take the lives of others. Right. And then the real kicker of it, Catherine, was she was trying to say that we need to do a lot more to uh, adopt foster children. But yeah. foster children, why are they typically the, the older ones in the foster system? They have um, behavioral yep. uh, disorders, mm -hmm. um, some developmental disabilities, whatnot. Those are, children are hard to parent. Yeah. So how can our message to society be, we need to work harder to take care of people, but their lives don't really matter. And yep. if you want to abort them, just go ahead and do it. Yeah. I mean, where's the logic? <laughs> no logic there. Well, eugenics is a word that uh, often doesn't, you know, people don't like to say, uh, just like the word abortion. Um, you know, people know it has negative connotations and so mm -hmm. they'll try to support it, but, uh, you know, avoid it all the same. And, um, I don't want to sound conspiratorial, but I mean, there's a reason that that's why I'm so shocked. The MIT Technology Review published that article is people don't like to talk about the darker right. implications of this, mm -hmm. and people like to keep that all, you know, outside of the public eye. Mm -hmm. And speaking of keeping things outside of the public eye, um, kind of uh, not the best story to end the podcast with, but. Uh, Michael Roth, who was that abortionist in the Detroit area who was caught with aborted uh, babies and drugs, um, mm -hmm. drugs to uh, perform abortions in the back of his car, got in trouble. Um, it was years ago. It seems like it was yeah. yesterday, but uh, years ago. And finally, on November 3, there'll be a funeral for the children that were discovered in the trunk of his car. Yeah. I mean, the trunk... Of his car like how, how did they even how did that I just can't believe that even ended up happening but well they thought that, you know the, the indications where he's performing abortions at people's homes and uh, one of the implications of abortions is you have a dead baby now what do you do with the the dead baby and so seems to be a recurring problem <laughs> yes it is abortion clinics uh, tend to have a serious issue with it when they can't chop them up and sell them um, mm -hmm then they have to find some way to dispose of them. And that's kind of, um, and one pro-life activist makes a great point of that is, that's like the ultimate indignity is they weren't human enough to be welcomed um, in the minds of people who support abortion, and now they don't even get the dignity of being treated like uh, a, a dead person. Right, like, getting, like getting a cemetery yeah. or a funeral or whatnot. Um, and so... We'll have a funeral for the children. Actually, that the activist I mentioned is the one hosting the funeral. Mm -hmm. um, and so Dr. Monica Miller, who's done a lot of that um, for babies from abortion clinics in Michigan and Illinois that they've um, discovered basically being thrown away. Right. But at least, yeah, it's it's not exactly a happy story, but at least it's a... An ending where at least these babies are getting, you know, their funeral. Humane treatment. Right. Um, the real outrage of it is, so Michael Roth was doing these abortions at home. He got into an accident, and that's how the police uh, happened upon um, the drugs 
um, illegal right. controlled substances and these uh, dead babies in the trunk of his car. He was indicted for several felonies, but mm-hmm. he they only gave him convictions on a few of them, uh, chiefly larceny in a building because basically he stole these drugs, right. um, narcotics, stole narcotics, okay, yep. <laughs> narcotics, he stole them to use them. And what was his penalty for stealing narcotics, being convicted of a felony? Uh, An $800 fine and probation. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Catherine, if you broke into a medical clinic, stole narcotics, (laughs) and was was using them to perform surgeries in people's homes, would you have gotten $800 fine and... Probation. Probably not. Probably a lot more than that. <laughs> I've heard people get fines for a lot, uh, a lot less than that. Yeah. Um, and it's just outrageous that, and I get the sense that, you know, these abortionists have medical degrees and so judges just go soft on them. But yeah. we've had it happen to the one in, uh, the one in Grand Rapids who's got a long and checkered history, including threatening his, uh, at the time, sleeping wife with a gun to her head. Yeah. She accused him and um, gets off with doing rehab for other uh, assault charges. You know, it unless you actually have bona fide pro-life people in these positions, mm-hmm. it just gets swept under the rug. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's uh, abortion legislation, if it's talk of eugenics, you know. It just is being kept from people purposefully. Right. You, Going you, right back to the idea of just like they just don't want to look at it. They don't want to talk about it. Nothing. It's too ugly to confront. Yeah. It's too ugly to accept. And so even, even abortion supporters, there's a few hardcore ones will come out and say, I love abortion and yeah, it's a human being and I don't care. But um, the great majority of abortion supporters and voters in the sort of mushy middle who are not sure where they stand, you know, it's just too hard of an issue right. for them to confront, but the reality is it's a serious issue. Mm-hmm. And um, on November 6th, if pro-abortion officials get elected, especially Gretchen Whitmer as governor and uh, Dana Nessel uh, to attorney general, that crazy lady, um, there's, no, uh, there's no other way to say it. Right. Um, you know, they're going to appoint officials. They're going to appoint judges. Who are going to look the other way yep. at these sorts of things and declare it open season. You know, Planned Parenthood doesn't want to have to have hallways wide enough to fit stretchers through to save patient lives. That's totally Go fine. ahead, Planned Parenthood. <laughs> do whatever you want. You maimed and killed women in Kalamazoo. You know, who are we to judge? Ooh, yeah. Um, and so it's uh, very frustrating. Yeah. not And not pro-woman, I wouldn't say, so... So yeah, I mean, what I mean, what what is pro woman about letting a guy perform dangerous surgery at home and steal narcotics and he gets off with, you I know? Mean, I just don't. I don't see anything about that. That's pro woman. Uh, I know that's frustrating, and you know, and that's the worst thing is they hide behind the pro woman label. But when you look at polls on abortion, there's not very right. much difference between men and women. Yeah. On a, a couple of pro-life issues, women maybe shade a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, consider themselves pro-choice. But on a couple other issues, they may shade and consider themselves more pro-life than the men. You know, there's like there's no there's no gender gap on the issue of abortion. Yeah. But 
but it's constantly framed yeah. as uh, as as women's rights. Yep. Um, you know, it's the saddest thing in the world. Yeah. Well, that's our job is to continue talking <laughs> about these issues and keep shining the light on these uh, dark places. And so, hopefully, if you're listening, you're going to be encouraged to do the same. Um, there's still a couple days before the election, so get out and vote on November 6th. Bring a friend. Yep. Um, you know, and when you have an opportunity in conversations to talk about these issues, uh, don't let it go because yeah. that's how the other side wins is by not talking about the issue. Yeah. And how we win is by talking about the issue to as many people as possible. <laughs> right. Should be easy, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again in two weeks. Have a wonderful fall week.